season two of the JKR podcast powered by Black Cobra Sports. My name is Jay Shriglin and I'm the host. Let's dig into today's episode after a word from our sponsor. to the JKR Podcast. My name is Jay Shrigling and I'm the host. We are back with another weekend of your favorite podcast. We got two great episodes this weekend as we have two former Western Kentucky pitchers coming on the show. Today we've got incoming Kentucky transfer, played at Western Kentucky for two seasons. We got Mason Vineyard on the show. He's a great pitcher. He's in some talks with some teams right now about this year's upcoming draft. So I'm excited to see where that goes. But today we discussed those conversations with teams, how we got connected with them, what they're talking about, stuff like that. Um, we go on, we talk about how he played for a Juco and Western Kentucky. We talk about those key differences, uh, talk about the transfer process going from WKU to Kentucky, what exactly, how exactly that whole process works. Uh, talk about that transfer portal. And then we dig into tread athletics and much more. Um, so let's dig into the episode. I hope you guys enjoy it. And welcome back to the JKR Podcast. Today we have former WKU pitcher. We got recent transfer to the Kentucky Wildcats. We got Mason Vineyard on the show. Mason, super pumped to get you on the show, man. How you doing? Doing good. Glad to awesome. be here. Awesome. Awesome. So one question I always like to ask everybody as soon as they get on the show is, for those who don't know you, how would you introduce yourself? Who exactly is Mason Vineyard? You know, uh, I would say, you know, first off, I'm, I'm Mason Vineyard. Um from Paducah, Kentucky, a little small town in western Kentucky. Uh, just a big baseball person. Love baseball, love pitching, uh, love trying to, you know, get better. And honestly, that's kind of kind of where the story ends. That's been my, my whole life. Awesome, man. Um, so you've been a lot of places in your college ca- career. Um, I can't wait to dig into all of them with you real quick. But let's, let's start out with the initial recruiting process when you went to Wabash Valley. So back Four years ago when you were in high school, you went to Wabash Valley. So how did that recruiting process start for you back in high school? So it's actually a pretty cool story. Um, so in my junior year of high school, I uh, tore my UCL and had Tommy John surgery. So, you know, that goes that whole year. So I was almost kind of panicked, you know, heading into senior season, like just coming off surgery, like, you know, felt like time wasn't really on my side. Um, so we were headed that me and my dad were headed down to Jupiter to play in that tournament, um, down there in the fall. And, you know, we're sitting in the airport in Nashville. Um, and this guy comes up to us and he's like, Hey, uh, are you headed down to Jupiter? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we're, we're headed down. Uh, and he's like, okay, well, I'm a assistant coach at Wabash Valley college. Um, you know, would be, would love to come watch your uh, you know, watch your outing or whatever. Um, so we talked to him on the airplane, talked to him, uh, when we're getting our bags and stuff, uh, had, you know, head out to hotel, uh, my game comes around, he comes out, watches me pitch. Uh, next thing you know, like a month later, uh, I go out there for a visit in Mount Carmel, uh, throw a bullpen and then I commit like a week later. So I'll, that was the only school I talked to out of high school. Um, and, you know, little did I know that it was just like this powerhouse of a junior college. 
Yeah. So where exactly is Wabash Valley? It's in Mount Carmel, Illinois. It's right if you're familiar with uh, the Princeton, Indiana. It's right on the border of uh, Illinois and Indiana. Okay. All right. So how far a drive is that for you? Uh, it was about two and a half hours, two twenty. Okay. From home. So you- so you end up going well. Actually, let's let's dig into Tommy John a little bit. You said you went through Tommy John as a um, in high school. So obviously, Tommy John that's a surgery known baseball nationwide. Um, so what was that like? Your Tommy John. Just kind of, let's go through your Tommy John story a little bit. So what were like? What were you doing when you like you heard that um, snap or whatever, and you found out you had to have Tommy John surgery? And can you t- kind of take us through that recovery process? Because there are a lot of a lot of pitchers who go through that uh, surgery. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I was actually throwing at a like a little prospect showcase thing at Indiana, um, and I, my arm was just killing me. Like after every throw, like I felt like a tingle in my fingertips. I never heard a pop, and it was kind of a gradual thing, like all summer, like where my forearm would get really tight and I couldn't straighten my arm. Um, so probably, you know, on my end, I just I, I had no idea. Um, and then you know, got the surgery in September of 2015. Um, and the rehab process is pretty, you know, it, it's it's tough, um, especially, you know, when you're wanting to, for me, I always, like, I feel like I'm never doing enough. And, you know, through that time, you know, it's pretty difficult whenever you actually can't really do a whole lot. Um, so, you know, that was, that was a, like, a mentally challenging part of it. Um, but the, the rehab itself went pretty well. You know, it's kind of tedious at first trying to, you know, get range of motion back. But then, you know, you kind of hit the ground running once you throw um, because it's pretty aggressive trying to get you back pretty quick. Um, but, yeah, it was, you know, I, I would say that it was probably one of the better things to happen for me because um, ever since then I haven't had any arm, you know, knock on wood, any arm injuries or pain or anything like that. So, um you know, it, it really taught me how to take care of myself uh, yeah. and, you know, learn from, you know, past mistakes. Yeah. So you ended up doing the Tommy John surgery, recovering, uh, getting that offer from Wabash Valley, and you ended up going there for two seasons. So you said it was a JUCO powerhouse. So what were those two seasons like for you? So actually my freshman year, um, I was still not like I just wasn't really throwing that hard. Um, you know, uh, I had a really good fall in my freshman year but like I said I just wasn't throwing very hard and you know I sat down with the coaches at the end of the fall and they just kind of told me you know we like you think you're really good but you know he's like I just don't think you're there yet um so I actually ended up redshirting that freshman year um which was it was pretty difficult you know like I I had this big expectation of going into college baseball and like playing right away and like all this but you know it was kind of like a slice of humble pie kind of sit you down um and, you know, really make you, you know, think some things through your head. Um, but that was – honestly, I think that was, like, a huge blessing in disguise because now, like, if I would have played that year throwing, you know, maybe three, four innings, you know, I wouldn't even have the chance to go to Kentucky this year. So, you know, that was that was a difficult spring, especially, you know, whenever you're kind of hanging around with just a couple guys while they're going on trips and stuff like that. So, you know, that was a big learning moment. And then – I think we, I think they, they made it to, you know, the, the districts, which is just before going to the world series. Um, and they ended up losing, I think to Iowa Western and then my, um, sophomore year, you know, kind of started out, um, kind of slow. Uh, I, I was kind of like a, 
you know, last in line kind of deal for pitching, uh, like in our rotation and the bullpen. And then um, I ended up committing to Western. That was the only school I talked to out of Wabash um, in that fall. And, you know, I, I ended up in the spring um, with the most appearances. Um, I think I had like 43 innings, uh, which is pretty solid out of the out of the pen. And yeah, we went on a 49 game win streak, and I think we finished the year like 40 or 54 and three or 54 and four or something like that. Okay. So with you redshirting that freshman year, did you technically still have two more years at that JUCO of eligibility, or is it still just one year? Because obviously all JUCOs are two year programs. Right. No, it's it was just uh, I had two years left if I wanted to, but I I was kind of ready to to move to the next level. Yeah. So when did you start talking? You said you started talking to Western Kentucky that fall or that spring? That fall. That fall. That okay. Fall. So how did how did West how did you get in contact with Western Kentucky? So in junior college, you know, you your fall is pretty much like playing in showcases at you know whether that be like in Grand Park, um, or like you go to you know a Division One, and you kind of play a little round robin, um, and college coaches go there. Um, so we actually played at Indiana State. And I threw a bullpen, and uh, Coach Walgamot from Western, he's now at Troy, um, but he he uh, called me, you know, probably four days later and then kind of started the ball, and, you know, I was, I was pretty excited about it. Yeah. So when you ended up heading to Western Kentucky, what were some of those initial differences that you saw playing for JUCO for two seasons, being at Wabash Valley, and then finally going to a D1 in Western Kentucky? What were some of those key differences you saw initially? Um, you know, to be honest with you, I think the first one, um, was the, the, the difference in the hitters, um, you know, the, the hitters at the division one level compared to junior college are just, they're more, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're more, you know, uh, disciplined. They don't chase as much. Um, and if, you know, if you, if you make a bad pitch, uh, especially to the wrong guy in a lineup, they'll make you pay for it. Um, so that was kind of a big thing. And another one, you know, kind of it's it's uh, performance related, but it's not uh, is the, you know, mindset of like. I belong here, like I'm good enough to be here, you know, you, you kind of get in this comparison game of junior college and division one um, and thinking like, oh, now that I'm D1, I have to be so much better than I was. But in reality, it's just, you know, it comes down to self-confidence and knowing that you're good enough. Yeah. So was there was there a different different aspect in training at all? Because obviously, I mean, the the what's it called? Um, The prototypical junior college, what people what most people think is like, oh, you're in a really trashy weight room, stuff like that. And then D1, obviously, there's some better facilities. So is it like that at all? Or was there kind of a similarity between training um, between Wabash Valley and WKU? So that's actually a really good question um, and a good point. so Wabash actually doesn't have very nice facilities, you know, not to knock on them at all. I love my time there, but, uh, you know, we would go lift at like a local gym, like a, a handful of us. And it was more kind of on your own okay. uh, thing. So, you know, we had, we kind of outsourced to, you know, people uh, for lifts and stuff like that. Um, and just kind of went on our own time. But, you know, once you hit the division one level, it's like basically every part of your week is very regimented. Um, you know, you have slot times for the weight room and, you know, everyone has their own or everyone has like, you know, 
a set plan for them. It's not kind of, you know, on your own. Okay. So your first, your first year at WKU, that was 2020, right? That is correct. Okay. So obviously you go to WKU, you're going your, through your first fall, uh, have winter break, go through your first kind of preseason. You're getting ready for your first division one season and all of a sudden COVID hits. Right. So can you kind of take us through what exactly happened there? Cause obviously you guys got a couple games in, but what was it, um, starting the season and then all of a sudden just having the season stop and what did you do after that season stopped? Yeah. Um, so actually we were playing pretty solid um, at that point. I think we were like 10 and four or something like that. What, whenever a COVID hit, um, I, on the other hand, was having a bad season. I was just struggling really hard. Uh, couldn't, I wasn't filling up the strike zone enough. And, you know, I was just kind of throwing pitches down the middle and kind of getting tattooed. Um, so I was, you know, I was struggling, but, you know, Coach P uh, helped me out through it. But whenever that hit, we were actually on our way down to uh, UAB for our first conference uh, series. And we got about an hour down the road and got the phone call to turn back around. So we drove back and, you know, we it was kind of like a, hey, uh, we'll let you guys know what time practice is tomorrow. And then it was like, okay, we're going to take tomorrow off, uh, practice in a couple of days. And then to that and being like, all right, everyone's got to go home. So it was, it was definitely weird. And a lot of guys took it pretty hard. Yeah. So when you did have to go home, like what was going through your mind? You're like, man, like season's over. Like, what did you end up going to do that summer? Were you still training? What, what exactly was going on with you at that point? Yeah. I, um, you know, I was like, like I was kind of bummed that the season was over, but at the same time, like I wasn't like too upset because of how bad I was doing. So like, and I, the way I looked at it was, you know, I have who knows how many months to, you know, just how can, how much better can I get in, we'll say eight months. And, you know, there really, there is no other time in your career that you're going to have that kind of, uh, you know, duration to get much better. So I, you know, I right whenever the se- the season got banged, I like just started. I, I worked with uh, Tread Athletics out here in Charlotte, North Carolina, and I like basically dedicated every day to like trying to throw harder, um, get you know get stronger, move move better, move faster. Uh, and throughout that, you know, that whole summer, like every single day, like I said, was dedicated to you know what do I have to do that day, um, and it ended up paying huge dividends. I. You know, I can't, I was probably up to 90 that spring, and then uh, by the by the fall, uh, that next fall, I was up to 94. So that was pretty. Uh, you know, that was a big changing point in my career. Yeah. So obviously, you went through that COVID. You went through that whole COVID. Got a lot better, and you ended up dominating in 2021. Um, so what was it like going to a Division One program and just absolutely dominating that? Actually, your first full year there. You know, it was it was definitely like a huge confidence boost, like you know, like like I'm here kind of deal. Um, you know, it, and you know, I, I I credit that a lot to the work I put in that summer and the confidence that comes with knowing that you've prepared your tail off. Um, and yeah, whenever you go, it was just kind of whenever I went in there, like I knew that like I, like I was better than the guys I was facing, and you know, it was just a. Like I said, I think half the battle is having the confidence to throw a pit with no fear. And, yeah, you know that's that was my mentality, and that's what worked out for me. Yeah. So now that now that you've decided to transfer to Kentucky from Western Kentucky, 
uh, when, when did that whole process start? When did you just start thinking, okay, maybe, um, I've, I obviously dominated. I'm obviously playing very well here at this level. Um, I might start looking into possibly going to a power five school. When did that whole thought process start? And, uh, when did you actually decide to enter the portal? Right. So I actually, um, I, I, the goal for me has always been to play professional baseball and, my thought process was, you know, if I'm not professional ready this year, then, you know, and I and I choose to go to college for one more year, I feel like I need to go to a higher level and show that I can pitch at a, you know, at a really high level and that in that conference. Um, so that was so that was pretty early on, actually, like before the season even started. Um, and, you know, with our, our coach uh, resigning towards the end everything just kind of lined up and season was over I gave myself like a week and a half to kind of you know slow things down you know relax a little bit and then enter the portal and then it was just kind of a whirlwind from there okay so when you actually officially entered the portal when did teams start reaching out who were some of those teams and how long a process was it because usually those transfer transfer processes usually don't take that long so I don't I, like how long does your transfer process take yeah, my my transfer process was, I mean, it was it was quick. Like I said, like I mentioned before in this podcast, you know, my out of high school I talked to one team, out of uh, junior college I talked to one team. This was completely different, actually. I, um, you know, within five minutes of, uh, you know, my my name being in the portal, I probably got you know, ten text messages, you know, emails, phone calls, like you name it, I got it. Um, and anywhere from like a mid-major to like, you know, some SEC schools uh, to Pac-12, you know, it was it was pretty cool. It was pretty humbling. Um, you know, I, I tried to enjoy the process as much as I could um, and just, you know, respect everyone because, you know, I they don't have to show interest in me. Yeah. And, you know, I, I appreciate, you know, all the coaches that reached out and everything. Yeah. So when when players enter that transfer portal, Obviously, it's huge for basketball and football. Like, obviously, when there's, like, Spencer Rattler, when he entered the transfer portal, everyone knew all over Twitter. But for baseball, it's a little different. Not as – it's not publicized as much. So, how exactly do you enter the transfer portal? So, you go – you email compliance. Um, they'll have you, you know, talk to your head coach, which I had already done uh, prior to emailing them. So, then, you know, from there, you email them, say, hey, you know, I talked to the coach, and then – they send you a form, you fill it out, you watch a, a educational video on it, and it takes about 24 hours to process. And you know, then bam, your name is entered into that portal. And co- uh, college coaches are just kind of they're they're eyeing that thing. Yeah. So when you started getting those calls, text messages, emails, who were some of those schools that were reaching out, and who were some of those schools that kind of caught your eye and kind of were a part of that process? Yeah, um, so one of the first ones was uh, Troy, um, which was, you know, I have a connection there with uh, Coach Walgamont. Um, They were one of the first. Um, Alabama was one of them. Kentucky, Arizona State, um, Cincinnati, Duke. You know, it was was quite a bit. It was uh, Louisville. um, Yeah, it was was quite a bit. I, uh, I, I was pretty pretty overwhelmed by it all so what what was it that ended up putting Kentucky on top like was there a 
couple other schools that you were thinking, oh, I could possibly go there, or with Kentucky being somewhat close to you within that four-hour range, um, was that kind of just always on your mind that you wanted to go there? Yeah, so actually since I was a little kid, um, you know, I always – I grew up watching Kentucky basketball, and, like, you know, me and my brothers were huge fans of Kentucky. Um, and I actually, when I was 16, I had, like, a little Kentucky – UK, like, cutout from a piece of paper that I made. And I put it up on my mirror because that was my dream school. That's where I wanted to go. Um, and, you know, I I actually pitched against them this year um, and got the win uh, in, like, three innings against them. Um, so the coaches had a good relationship with me. They knew who I was. You know, talking to Coach Minge and uh, Coach Roselle, you know, they were, they were awesome. Talked to them for almost an hour on the phone each. Um, the relationship that I've built with them in just a short amount of time is really cool. Um, and, you know, from there it was the facilities are awesome. You know, the track record with pro guys, you know, it, it it's true. And then, you know, I, uh, like I said, the relationship was a big piece. And then, you know, they, they're helping me out. So that was, I mean, it was just kind of like a, you know, it's close to home and a place that I've always wanted to play. Like, let's do it. Yeah. So you talk about relationships. Obviously, in baseball, relationships are a big thing. A lot of players go to schools that they have good relationships with coaches. But since committing, how has that relationship evolved with the, the those two main coaches you were talking about? It's been cool, man. It's, you know, we hopped – before I committed, um, you know, I hopped on a face or a Zoom, Zoom call with Coach Minge with, you know, my mom and dad, and he wanted them there present and, you know, talk to them we talk, we almost talked for almost I think almost like two hours on that zoom call um you know just a you know he's a great coach great relationship guy um you know I it was just you know the 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 way that the conversation flowed easy to talk to um very personable um and then from the you know coach Roselle side of things you know we talked we talked about pitching and you know the mental side of it to the physical side of it to the technology about it and you know it was it was a good conversation, and you know his like I said his track record speaks for itself. Um, yeah, and yeah, it was you know it was just kind of like a like a like you know man like they're they've really kind of got it going on, and they finished the season really hot, so that was yeah. pretty cool to see. So, what's the outlook on this upcoming spring in two thousand twenty three? So, is there a is there going to be some spots opening up in the rotation? How exactly like what exactly is the outlook on the Kentucky team right now? Right, so. Actually, that was kind of one of the, the things they were talking to me about was, you know, I was this past these past two years, I've kind of been uh, late inning slash kind of closer guy. Um, and they're actually going to lose a couple of their, you know, leverage inning guys to the draft this year. And, you know, so that spot, you know, would be open. Um, obviously, there's no guarantees for playing time or anything like that. Everything has to be earned. But you know, it was, you know, the spot was definitely there um, and there for the taking. So, you know, the, the need was there is what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, it was just a good fit. Yeah. So before we started recording, you said you're not 100% sure on when you're supposed to report to campus. But do you know when the first day of school actually is? <laughs> I'm going to be honest. I really don't. I know it's somewhere like kind of uh, in the middle of August. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, I mean, it's June right now. It's not like, it's not like you would need to know right now, but I was just curious. Right. But, so you said you got your, you've already got your undergraduate degree and your MBA. So right now you're working on a, what you said, graduate certificate. Yeah. I'm i uh, I'm actually applying for that today. 
um, yeah, it's just a grad certificate in fitness, sports, and recreation management. Um, okay. Just so, to, like, obviously, obviously, pro ball is the dream, and you're, I mean, you're in a good spot right now to possibly to potentially get there. But if that doesn't work out down the road, like, what what are you trying to do with your degrees? Um, you know, I I would. I mean, I love the game of baseball. It, it, I can't really imagine myself doing anything other than, you know, something in a baseball role. Um, so I, I'd imagine if once my playing career is over, I would try to stick around in some way or capacity um, of, you know, staying around the game, staying involved. Um, so whatever kind of arise there, I, I would definitely look into. Also, you know, with having a degree in finance and, you know, an MBA, um, I've heavily considered, you know, being a financial advisor uh, and, you know, being able to have some financial freedom later down the road so I can yeah. pursue things that I'd like to do. Yeah. Well, I mean, you could always be a financial advisor for baseball players. I mean, that's always, that's always yeah. something in need for, for different agencies. Absolutely. That that So, actually, a little background on an agent. Like, once I gra- – I'm an IU student right now, but once I graduate, that's my dream is to be an MLB agent. And that was actually one road I looked down to was going to um, the Kelly School of Business for a finance degree. That ended up that's ended that's not and that ended up not being what I chose, but that was one of my things I was looking into. Oh, cool! But yeah, you do cool. Uh, you do have you do have two guys who are heading to IU this fall: Cooper Hellman and who, what's the other guy's name? Luke Sennard. Luke Sennard. Okay, yeah, my I got Cooper coming on the show tomorrow. Um, so I'm kind I'm kind of excited to talk to him as well. Um, see what how his whole transfer process went down. But yeah, I mean, WKU, man, you guys all heading to some big time schools right now. Yeah. Uh, you know, Cooper, Cooper and Sonar, they're great kids. Um, you know, I, I actually, so Cooper actually works with, uh, Trad Athletics as well. Um, and we kind of, you know, going into campus this, <clears throat> excuse me, this past year, um, you know, wait, the, his coach kind of reached out to me and was like, you know, like, hey, like, Cooper's going to be there, uh, you know, trying to make him feel welcome. So, like, that first day I was there, like, you know, it's kind of open field. Like, I invited him down to throw. And, you know, little did I know that that would turn into a pretty good relationship. He's one of my really good friends. Uh, you know, we spend a lot of time together outside of the baseball field with, you know, our, our group of friends. And, you know, whether that be watching, you know, UFC fights or playing video games or, you know, going to a bowling alley or something like that. But, He's a really good kid. He's really good, really talented. He's got a really bright future ahead of him. Yeah. So you got any? You got any stories about him you can bring up right now? You want to talk about uh, oh, before he gets on the show tomorrow? Uh, honestly, none of them really come to mind right now. I, I'm kind of blanking. All right. So you got you got any questions I could ask him just to be like, hey man, what's what's up with this or something like that, just to mess with him a little bit? Uh, yeah. You could say why is he? You know, why is he the worst spike ball player in Kentucky? Worst spike ball player in Kentucky. All right, yeah. I'll I'll make sure to I'll make sure to bring that up. Uh, but <laughs> let's let's move on a little bit. So you're training right now. You said with Tread Athletics. Correct. So what's what's that day to day look like right now in the summertime? What are you trying to focus on in your training? So uh, right now, I mean, obviously, you know, uh, trying to throw um, just a little bit harder, and then actually, right now, we are trying to basically have two different sliders um so one that has more of a more of a sweep and then one that has more of like a down and it's a little bit firmer um so we're actually kind of playing around with that with the trackman units and uh you know just really trying to 
basically just like fine tune things uh, before, you know, the summer and then, you know, heading down to Lexington in the fall. Yeah. So you talk about your different pitches. So what exactly is your pitching repertoire? So I have a, a four seam fastball, but, you know, it's not like a lot of four seam fastballs. It has, you know, quite a bit of run to it. Um, I, I, don't, I really couldn't tell you why it is, but it does. And then I have a, a circle change and then uh, just a slider. And then, you know, the slider, depending on the count or the hitter, um, you know, I can, like I said, I can manipulate it to be more sweepy or, you know, more firm and kind of straight down. So are there any pitches that you're wanting to add in the future or are there any pitches that you've tried to add, but then they ended up just not working out? So I actually, I would really like to add a cutter. Um, I honestly, I don't really know how to throw a cutter. It'd kind of be a, you know, a thing for later on down the road, but I always thought that that would be a, a, a you know, complimentary to my arsenal, but yeah. I, I'd, uh, I'll have to, you know, look more into that. Yeah. So when you went about adding those two secondary pitches, obviously that was probably what your freshman, sophomore year of high school, even probably before that. Yeah. So when you're trying to add a new pitch, like how exactly does that process go for you? Are you just messing around with different grips and uh, while playing catch? How exactly do you work that out? Yeah. So actually my changeup, uh, I got thrown my changeup the exact same way since I was, you know, eight, nine years old. Um, and it's, you know, I, I would say that I have the best feel for my changeup out of all my pitches. Like I, I'm comfortable throwing that, you know, in a disadvantage counts, um, you know, two Oh three Oh kind of deal three one. Um, and honestly, like I, I, like I said, I can just control it really well and I have really good feel for it, but the slider was actually a pitch I just added this year. Um, I always kind of had one, but it wasn't good. Um, it was, it wasn't anything I could get a swing and miss on. And, so this year, you know, something clicked preseason with the way that I throw it. And then I ended up using it, you know, a ton for strikeouts this year. Um, I think I had almost over half, um, eh, not half, but close to half of my strikeouts with a slider this year um, and got a lot of swings and misses. I think I only gave up one hit on it all year. Um, but it was, you know, it, it adding that third pitch was massive for me and trying to, you know, beat hitters in different in different ways. Yeah. So if you were a scout watching your game, obviously watching you on the mound and then watching you kind of in the dugout interacting with teammates, what would probably be your personal scouting report on yourself? You know, I would say that, you know, I'm a competitor first and foremost. Um, you know, don't don't uh, throw any pitches with any fear, um, you know. And then from the team side of things, you know, I, I, I would say I'm a good teammate, um, you know, picking guys up, you know, being personable, uh, building relationships with guys, you know, always having, you know, a group of friends around. Um, yeah, just trying to, and, you know, I would also say that, you know, I try to help people out, um, whether that be throwing advice or, you know, school advice or something like that. I I would say that I, you know, I, I like to help people. Yeah. Yeah. So obviously this, this past season and in 2021, you get to play some pretty big schools at WKU in terms of power five and just good teams overall. Um, So when you're facing teams, like let's say a big 10 team, like Illinois or sec, like Kentucky, or when you're facing teams that are in your own conference, like, is there a way to tell, like, can you tell differences in between the talent level or when you're pitching on the mound, does it kind of, does it kind of feel the same? Yeah, no, there's definitely like a level of heightened, like sense about it. You know, obviously you kind of, 
you kind of watch the scouting report and you're like, oh, like, you know, these guys, these guys can swing it a little bit. And to be honest with you, yeah, like it's, it's a lot of kids kind of fall into this trap of like, oh, they're SEC or like, oh, like they're really good. But, you know, you kind of have to throw that like in the back of your mind and then just like in the front, you got to go like treat it like they're, you know, they're the same level as you and that you're better than them and you can go beat them. Um, I think that's the biggest, you know, the biggest thing that helps kids whenever they're facing, you know, these higher levels is just knowing that they can beat these guys and that they put their pants on the same way that you do. Yeah. So when you're facing guys like that, when you, this past season, who do you think would have been the hardest hitter to face? Was it more of a guy for that big 10 sec level or was it a guy in your conference? I would actually say it was probably a guy in our conference. Um, his name was Matt Kootenay. He went to ODU. I think he ended up with like 27 home runs on the year. Oof. I know I contributed one to him <laughs> from my final outing of the year. But, um, yeah, he's he just went up there with a good approach. And, I mean, he, he guessed right on pitches. And, you know, he got his hands extended. And he, he could crush the ball. Yeah. So, so I've when I played ball, I, I'm I'm two years out of playing ball now. I'm going to be a junior at IU. Okay. I was never I was never a pitcher, but when you're pitching and you do give up a home run, like what's it what's that feel like? Not good. Yeah. <laughs> um, it's you know it, it's like it, it you know I, I get pretty ticked off at myself. Um, you know it's just like oh how could you even throw that pitch there or there or something like that. Um. Especially given the like, depending on the situation. In that situation, it was like a, we had the lead, and I gave up a three-run home run to you know lose the game essentially. So that one, that one stung a little bit more than than others. But you know, it, it's never a good feeling. It's it's never like a uh, like you know it's okay. I'll get them next time. Well, there is that feeling, but it's it it, it never feels good. Yeah, I'm sure. Um, so let's let's dig into the draft a little bit. So we're about two and a half, three weeks away from the MLB draft 2022. Um, you said you are talking to a couple teams. So what are the, some of those conversations like with teams at this point in that draft process? Right. It's well, for me, you know, I, I'm actually, I just, so today's my birthday. I turned 23 today. All right. Well, happy birthday, oh, man. Thank you very much. Um, so I'm actually, you know, while I'm young, like I'm pretty old considering the draft process. Um, so, you know, now it's kind of like basically answering simple questions like, uh, you know, talking about pitches and, you know, personality and like, you know, some history behind some things um, in some medical history stuff. And then, you know, it's kind of talking about where do you see yourself and then, you know, where do they see you? And then from there, it's just kind of, you know, conversation about, you know, what would be the plan for you? Um, but it's it's all pretty simple right now. Uh, I'm I'm excited. Hopefully something works out. But you know, at the same time, you know I've, you know I'm I'm open to anything, and you know I've got you know, I've got good options ahead of me. So I, I'm you know if nothing works out, you know I'm really excited to go to Kentucky. Yeah. So what are some of those? Are those conversations? Are they over the phone, or do they have some scouts coming into your facility at Tread Athletics? So there's actually some scouts that come in to tread, but then at the for the ones that I've had, it's just kind of over Zoom. Okay. All right. So I got I got a couple more questions for you before we end off the podcast. So we're 37 minutes in. Uh, we've talked nothing but nothing but baseball. So let's kind of move on from that a little bit. Just three more questions for you. So when you're not playing baseball, 
what are some of the things you like to do? So what are some of the passions you have beyond the baseball field? I, I absolutely love the golf. I'm a, I, I wish I could say I'm a really good golfer, but I'm not, but I, I love to go play some golf. Um, that's probably, you know, one of the big things for me. Um, I'm an avid coffee drinker. I like to go for morning, morning coffee, coffee grabs. Um, and you know, one of the things I also like to do, uh, is play disc golf. Um, you know, I'm sure might get a little, some chirps for that, but, uh, you know, we had a lot of buddies back at Western, especially last year that played and it was pretty competitive. You know, it was a way for us to get out, move around and have some fun. So that was, that was pretty fun. Um, yeah. But that, that's it. Those are probably the main three things that like I, I spend, you know, majority of my time outside of the baseball room. Doing. All right. All right. So when you're drinking coffee, what type of coffee are you drinking? I think uh, Black Rifle Coffee, if you ever had that, I think that's located somewhere in Kentucky. Yeah, I've actually never had that before. I'll have to I'll have to give that a shot. I'm I'm typically kind of your basic uh, Starbucks or Dunkin. Um, and if there's, you know, if there's like a little local place, I'll go check that out, uh, especially like when we were on the road this year. Um, but, you know, I, you know, it kind of depends on the, the time of year. I, like if it's if it's hot outside, I'll get an iced coffee. If it's, you know, cold outside, I'll get a hot coffee. But I, I like to kind of uh, mix it up a little bit and what I get and the variety of it. Yeah. So are there some coffee shops in your hometown of, is it Paddock, Paddocku, Paddocka? Paducah. Paducah. All right. So is there some coffee, local coffee shops there? I know you said it's a small town. So how big is your hometown? Uh, I think, honestly, I, I, I haven't looked in a while, but I think it's around 30,000 people. Oh, that's so, not, that's not too bad. I mean, that's yeah. not, not, not big, but not, not small either. Um, yeah. you know, it's, it's still kind of like a majority of people like know everyone, uh, or not everyone, but you know, you get the point. It's kind of, yeah. you know, most people talk, um, yeah. honestly, you know, there are some, but I haven't really found any places that I necessarily you know, I'm like, oh, like that sounds really good. Um, but there, you know, there are a couple that I'll, you know, if I'm like wanting to get a variety, I'll, I'll go out there and go grab one of theirs. Yeah. All right, man. So just, I guess a couple more questions for you. Um, yeah. let's, I, I'm a big NIL guy just because, you know, I'm, like I said, I'm trying to be an agent. So I'm kind of using NIL as just a way to like gain some experience with some athletes. Yeah. So just a couple questions for you. Um, have you had any NIL deals or have you had any businesses reach out to you yet? I actually haven't, um, you know, as, you know, as much as I, I loved my time at Western and, you know, I'm very grateful for it. Um, uh, you know, Conference USA and being, you know, kind of like a middle tier Conference USA to bottom tier, you know, there's not really, I guess businesses aren't really seeking out yeah, as much for those guys. So it's not like, you know, it's not like a Kentucky basketball player and like an Alabama football player kind of deal. Um, but no, I actually haven't had any NIL deals uh, or anything like that. I know a couple guys on our team would like reach out to companies and like get free shirts and stuff like that. But yeah, so did WKU, did they educate you guys at all on NIL? Because I know like at IU and some of these bigger colleges, like they have these courses for athletes to take. Um, did at WKU kind of educate you guys on different ways about NIL, different ways to capitalize on NIL or was it kind of just free range? Like it's a thing now you guys can kind of do whatever you want. Um, I would say it's kind of a mixture of both. You know, they kind of explained the rules and everything behind it at first. Um, and, you know, they give you like this influencer plat- platform um, to kind of, you know, if you want to dive into it, you can. Um, 
but you know after that first you know week of it it was kind of like you know it, it's all really up to you there's no really no more talk of it okay so just one last question for you if you could endorse any brand in the nation what would that be and what would be the reason for it holy cow that's a tough one that's a tough one uh, i gotta think about this one any brand yeah any brand baseball related off the field anything Um, I think I'm going to have to go with, you know, your kind of cliche, regular, uh, regular one. I'm actually going to have to go Adidas. I'm, I like, I like shoes. Um, and I, you know, I think that they have some pretty, pretty cool shoes and stuff. And then, you know, also from the baseball side of things, they have some pretty cool gear as well. Um, they'll always keep you, keep you looking pretty sharp. So I don't really think you can go wrong there. Um, I'd say that's probably like one of my, at, at least one of my top three. Okay. So uh, is Kentucky, are they Adidas school or what, what actually, brand are they rocking? They're actually Nike, um, okay. which also you can't, can't go wrong there either. Of um, course. I just typically kind of like the Adidas shoes a little bit better than Nike, but you know, like I said, you can't go wrong with either one. Yeah. Well, your, your boys Cooper and, uh, what was, was it Mason? No, uh, Luke. Yeah. Luke. So they're, they're going to be rocking some Adidas shoes. Cause I, you were in Adidas school. They will. They will. All right, All right man. Uh, Mason, thanks for coming on the show. I really appreciate it. Had a great time talking to you. Um, just good luck the rest of this summer. Good luck this upcoming draft here in a couple of weeks. And if you head to Lexington, man, good luck. And uh, you guys play IU at some point next season. I know that for sure. So hopefully I'll be able to watch you play a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. No, I really appreciate you taking your time and you know inviting me on the podcast. It's been a good time. It's been a good experience. And that's going to do it for another episode of the JKR podcast. I'd really like to thank Mason for coming on the show today. Can't wait to watch this guy go ball out either in pro ball next year or at the University of Kentucky. Either way, can't wait to go watch him ball out, go strike some guys out, throw some gas. Um, but make sure to tune in tomorrow as we have one of his former teammates. We got Cooper Hellman coming on the show tomorrow. He's actually a couple years younger than Mason, um, transferring to IU instead of Kentucky. So teammates this past year at WKU both had some good seasons. Um, but for any more updates on the JKR podcast, make sure to give our website and our social media a follow. Our website's going to be www.jkrpodcast.com. And then go, our social media is going to be at JKR underscore podcast. And we also have a YouTube page that we do a couple episodes on every couple months. Um, just look up YouTube, go to JKR Podcaster Setup. Got about eight, eight, nine, ten episodes on there right now. So go check that out as well. Um, but with that being said, I'll catch you guys tomorrow for the interview with Cooper.